Hello everyone, it's Evan. I've uh, I've been thinking of maybe doing these intros in the episode itself in the future instead of recording them separately. I don't know. I'm just musing about it. Anyway, this episode I'm joined by Abby Lieb, a fan fiction author, a media studies degree haver, and a live journal rememberer. Here's the thing about that: in my youth, being that I was Largely cut off from the internet, I missed LiveJournal altogether as a fandom community experience, so Abby was kind enough to come on my podcast and explain to me what the hell was going on there and how it rippled out into modern fandom. We also talk about the pro wrestling fandom, the misscribe incident, fanfiction memes, and at the end, you lucky listeners get a guest appearance from Andy, my partner host of Force Friends Rewatch, and haver of opinions about the various Robins in DC media. You can find Abby on AO3 and fanfiction.net as Gotham Oracle. And here's the podcast. I always do this at the beginning, please, for the audience and for uh, records and files. Uh, share whatever you would like to be known as, whether it's your real name or an alias and uh, your pronouns, please. My name is Abby Lieb, um, she, her, uh, on AO3 and FFN, which fanfiction.net, which actually I've gone through and checked and I will actually not regret this. Uh, I'm oh. currently... I, I I cataloged. I I'll get into it in a minute. Um, I'm currently known as Gotham Oracle. <laughs> so I have not been on fanfiction.net deliberately in quite a long time. Every now and then, I will go to type in archive of our own, and my muscle memory will instead type fanfiction.net. <laughs> so like, it just happens against my voluntary control. So I've accidentally opened up fanfiction.net a couple of times, but I haven't deliberately been on there in a good long while. I am curious to know what prompted you to go back there and uh, how you came to be so satisfied with uh, the stuff that that you left on there, presumably several years ago, I'd have to assume. Well, at the beginning of the pandemic, um, like two and a half months in, I started writing again as sort of a way to just um, eat up time because we had nothing but and of course just like always i have finished nothing i have started eight stories and finished none um but because of this and i realized okay i might as well go see what's on the old account and i saw it was on the old account and i took several things down <laughs> because at some point when you're looking at stuff that you put up in college and you're looking at it and you're just like this is terrible I, I can't. And so it's just, they're on my computer still because I, I'm a digital pack rat. I just keep everything. Uh, but these things will, will never, ever see the light of day uh, again. 
Um, consider perhaps, and this is totally up to you, but consider perhaps the orphan feature that AO3 has, where you can upload stuff and disconnect it from anything associated with you. Um, because, look, uh, we've we've talked about this a little bit before, but uh, as embarrassing as some teen fanfic adventures might be to us now, I don't know. They, it seems kind of a shame. It seems like uh, every part of human creation has some kind of value to somebody somewhere. Somebody might get joy out of it, so just consider. You make a really good point, especially, you know, when we're talking about um, the evolution of a person's writing. And especially with, like, me and fanfiction, and I know I can't be the only one out here that did this, you can track your progress and your writing evolution by where you are in the fanfic sense you're writing. Did I remember to use commas here? What am I using for thought, uh, like, for to designate thoughts? Is it italics or is it quote marks? Like, what is the vocabulary that you're using? It, it's it's a roadmap, and sometimes you want to see it, and sometimes you're just like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> you can track the exact moment you discovered the M dash, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I... You're right. You're not alone. This is extremely... Uh, everyone goes through this, especially in fandom communities. Everyone gets excited about something, writes something about it, and then cringes about it later. <laughs> but uh, I guess, arguably, people who are your age enjoyed that when you wrote it. So maybe the 14-year-olds of today will get joy out of it. For the totally rec- possible. For the record, for those of you listening, um, I'm 33, so I've been ensconced in fandom since before I was a person. Um, and no, <laughs> I am not exaggerating. The first word I ever read was Batman. Um, <laughs> but no, it's it's entirely possible, and I will consider this. Um, like I said, nothing ever gets thrown out completely. Um, especially since it doesn't necessarily need to be linked to your account anymore. Mm-hmm, um... Mm-hmm. <laughs> But no, like, and you were saying about like the cringeworthy fan fiction. But even the cringeworthy stuff is and points up a title of this this podcast. Actually, yeah. sometimes good. Yeah, there's value to be had there. Um, so I am very curious if your first word that you read was Batman. Uh, you must have had nerd parents. You must have been introduced to nerd stuff pretty early. What's your What's your fandom journey look like? Um. There were always comic books in the house. Um, my dad was very into animation and like Bugs Bunny and anything Warner Brothers. Uh, my mom is, it's not exactly a fandom, but she, she's kind of uh, airplane crazy uh, oh. to the point where she knows how to fly and she's putting out a book. Uh, oh. So it, it's it's very eclectic. Uh, yeah, that's that's not what I would traditionally think of as a fandom, but that's it, sort of like it's the it's the extremely con- traditional like meaning of the word otaku. Yeah, like, where you just like have something that you're really really into, and you know everything about the thing, and you collect figures of the thing, and you read books about the thing. So yeah, your your mom's an airplane otaku. Mm-hmm. But my first fandom. Uh other than Batman, for obvious reasons, was actually Sailor Moon. Um, well, other than Warner Brothers cartoons, for obvious reasons. But yeah, it was it was Sailor Moon, and that's where I started my fanfic journey, which is what I also like to call a gateway drug to, <laughs> other among other things, the way that you and I met. 
Yeah, uh, Abby and I met through LARP as uh, at least two other guests who have been on here. I've met through LARP. So uh, I don't have a life, as I'm sure everyone <laughs> listening has guessed. I say that like self-deprecatingly, but I love my life at LARP. It's it's fun. I do a lot of different LARPs. It's, it's a great social activity. It's a great storytelling exercise. LARP is fun. LARP is good, actually. <laughs> Well, we, we run these anime LARPs at the conventions, or we did before, you know, uh, which are basically just a huge crossover fanfic. Mm-hmm. You, you, you've you got a character sheet that you're playing, and all these other characters are interacting, so it, it's basically just a huge fanfic that, like, somewhere between 35 and 50 people are writing together. Back when I was going to anime conventions, I never actually went to those anime excuse me, those anime convention LARPs, I did not know what they were. Uh, I still go to conventions. I go to, like, a lot of general pop culture conventions in Mm -hmm. addition to anime conventions. Or, again, I did before the pandemic time. Yeah. Um, But, yeah, I I had heard about the LARP, the convention LARP, and I did not understand what it was, and so I just never went. Like, none of my friends were ever interested in it, so nobody introduced me to that. The first... LARP I went to was uh, the the high fantasy LARP in New Jersey that shall not be named. <laughs> yes, no, shall not be named. <laughs> I started LARPing at the one of the anime conventions in 2009 in Virginia, which is where I met some of our mutual friends, because I had wanted to see if I could better play Sailor Saturn from... Uh, from Sailor Moon because I was writing her in fan fiction and I figured if I could play write her then I could play her it is not the same thing it is much harder to do than you think it is oh, yeah. um, improv, improv is very challenging and the rest is kind of history but so offline you had been interested in live journal yeah so I I never experienced live journal it just wasn't my first fan fiction, quote unquote, fan fiction platform was Quizilla, which um, you're kidding. I think... No, really. Uh, <laughs> I, I discovered it because um, like there were a lot of personality quizzes on there and uh, I like found or was sent a personality quiz and I wound up on there and just by happenstance started finding fan fiction on Quizilla. So, yes, not officially a fan fiction platform, but uh Fairly shortly thereafter, like within a year of discovering Quizilla, I made the jump to fanfiction.net, and then it was pretty much fanfiction.net onto AO3. So I'm I totally missed the Live Journal cha- train, and I'm very interested to hear what Live Journal culture was like. Please be my <sighs> be my eyes and ears. Well, it's it's different for everybody, but I like to refer to it as kind of a train wreck. Uh, <laughs> Everyone who was on Live Journal uh, seems to have the same opinion. Some of them, like affectionately, some of them are like, "Oh yeah, whoo, that was the best train wreck I was ever a part of," and some of them are like, "That was the worst train wreck I was ever a part of." It's but, it's, um, it's kind of like one way or another, you can't look away. <laughs> um, but yeah, fanfiction.net when it opened, which is was my basically first introduction to fanfiction through a friend of mine who was like, you gotta see this thing, you gotta see this thing, and we, I was hooked from then on. Um, I was in middle school, so the two were running basically concurrent to one another at that point, um, and both were going really strong. The difference between fanfiction.net and live journal, and yeah, live journal, 
is that where fanfiction.net was basically just a, a posting website where you could post things in different categories and you had your comments that you could leave. Uh, with LiveJournal, there were communities. And they basically, you, if you were 14 or older, and I'm putting this in very heavy quote <laughs> marks right now, if you uh -huh. were 14 or older, you could have an account. And if you had an account, you could find a community that had your interest. Whether that was, you know, celebrity news with, oh no, they didn't, which was one of the more popular communities with all this, like, celebrity gossip news or entertainment news that would like post like 50,000 times a day and sometimes crash the server um or you know shipper communities like i was and they'll find this out if they go to my ffn page anyway the the one one that i the one fic i still have up is a chloe jack ship from 24 that i wrote during college so i was part wow. of the 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 jack chloe community which is where i posted this thing initially so you could post up fanfics or post ideas and talk to other people of the same ship or the same ship that hated it or the same ship that agreed with you but disagreed about different things um one thing you find about live journal is that it's still technically around it's just moved to different corners of the internet oh i genuinely <laughs> did not know that it still existed i'm sure that the People from LiveJournal have formed new communities elsewhere. LiveJournal itself still does exist. It was bought by some Russian company a bunch of years back. So mm. if you go into it, sometimes what you'll find is that the communities are still there, but they're covered in, like, Cyrillic. Um, mm. I, I don't know what it says. I don't read Cyrillic. But um, I wonder, you know, this might be a total coincidence, but I wonder if it is still, like, a fandom community page because for whatever reason don't know why i've had two people in the past ask if they could translate uh two of my fan fictions into russian hmm. to which i told them sure i i don't care um so i i i have no idea if this is because of live journal being russian now but there certainly seems to be like a healthy online fan community for some of the fandoms I am in. And I, I mean, I say that loosely, but some of the <laughs> fandoms I am in certainly have a healthy fan community in Russia. That's really cool. I yeah. the, um, like I, I'm in to an extent Star Wars uh, fandom. And I say to an extent it's because there's just a lot of different yeah. offshoots and not all the offshoots get along with each other. So yes. we all kind of stay the in our corners the Star um, Wars fan community has many heads. It is a many-headed Hydra, and all of them are attacking each other most of the time. <laughs> this is pretty true, um, which also gets us back to LiveJournal, believe it or not. Um, similarly, and I'm just going to say this because I have to, because it is true, I'm acknowledging the, the turfness of J.K. Rowling for this. But yeah. I can't really talk about some of LiveJournal thing without at least bringing up the Shipper Wars. <laughs> please, please do dive right in. Tell us about the Harry Potter Shipper Wars. So, back when the books were still coming out, and this is dating this story to the early 2000s and the late 90s, um, there were one, two, three, three main shipper communities, like the main ones. There were a lot of like sub, like smaller ones. But you've got your Harry Ron shippers, your Herm Harry Hermione shippers, and later on your Harry Ginny shippers. And 
there were various different websites depending on what sh uh, ship you wanted. And over time, those websites fizzled out, and a lot of them found their way onto different communities back on LiveJournal. So you would wind up with these communities going head-to-head -head against each other, flaming one another about this one said this thing, and this one said that thing, and they said this, and they wrote this fanfic, and now they're over there yelling at us, and it, which kind of came to its pinnacle with the, the Miss Scribe incident, which is immortalized in this really, really fantastic hour-long video on YouTube. Um, where was this it, Was it Redbard who did that one? Or Hold was on. it When Posting Goes Wrong? Uh, it's when, it's they... when Posting Goes Wrong. Or, or the same person that did When Posting Goes Wrong. Yeah. I have watched that video. It is a trip. It's, uh, it's had, absolute trip. It's ridiculous. I had read about the misscribe incident in uh, like an archive page, just like a text archive page uh, that sort of explained everything that went down. But that video is a much better way to sort of consume that story. I will. I'll give just a little brief, very very brief summary for people who don't know about the misscribe incident. But uh, there was a. Uh, fairly well-known person in the Harry Potter fandom who got to be well-known primarily by making a bunch of sock puppet accounts and, like, attacking herself with them and um, claiming a lot of discrimination from these, like, sock puppet accounts that she was, in fact, running. And uh, her fanfiction was, like, middlingly popular as I understand. Like, it, it was it was pretty good, but she kind of used the notoriety associated with all of the anonymous hate, quote-unquote, that she was getting to, like, propel herself into big-name fan friend groups. And this was working for a good long while until people found her out. They, like, started tracking her IP address and stuff. And, like, to be fair, uh... Some of that may have been uncalled for. I'm not sure. I'm not sure at what point people s decided to start tracking her. I'm not sure if she had done some deeply sketchy stuff to prompt them to do that. But anyway, people started, like, tracking her IP address, figuring out where she was posting from, figured out that she was, like, lying about having lost her job and lying about having been uh, the victim of hate crimes and just all kinds of insane truly bizarre stuff that unfolded over the course of like a couple more years than a year? i think yeah. it was like two years <clears throat> the the bottom line on the line on this is basically that live journal while it could be an amazingly fun place for for fandom creation and idea sharing and it, it, uh, like ideally it was like a round table where you could put the ideas out there and workshop the workshop them and come up with something better. And on the worst part, it was Mos Eisley Cantina, a wretched hum, hum, <laughs> hub, hub of scum and villainy where you never really know what you're going to get in your glass. The uh, marketplace of ideas. You know, the free market of ideas. Gas. Never has gone wrong, ever. But even with all of that, I mean... it's. I honestly think that fanfiction is good, one way or another. Like, uh, anything that allows a human being to express themselves, especially if they 
are a little nervous about it, playing in someone else's sandbox should be a fun experience. Um, I used to, <clears throat> like, I love crossovers. I can't help it. It's just something that I, I adore and I have for years. You rarely get to see them unless you do them for yourself in your brain. And, of course, nobody can see that. I was just pointing at my head, of course. This is online. What am I doing? Uh, yeah, audio medium. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's one of those things where the creative aspect, the story is all yours, even if the characters aren't. And there is a bit of freedom that comes with that. Not that it makes the writing process easier, but it makes it... There is a freedom that comes with working with characters that you are already familiar with. Somebody sure. somebody that you don't necessarily have to create from scratch just yet. Yeah, I there's a challenge inherent in matching a character voice instead mm -hmm. of creating one. That's uh not better or worse, it's just different yes. than creating a character voice and it's it's good practice for learning to write dialogue especially and like learning to um imitate mannerisms things like that which is something that you would naturally do from people in the real world regardless anyone writing an original character is going to take some mannerisms from real people that they really know this is just kind of a different exercise where you're trying to match an existing character and it just so happens that they are not a real person I mean, I, I've uh, always said that the one, the like, the best thing I ever like got out of this. This thing taught me to write people that actually exist, which was good because I was a press officer for a while and had to write quotes. Um, <laughs> but no, like, fan fiction is sorry, just completely topic, slightly ADD. Could you tell? Um, <laughs> fan fiction, it's in the last like I I'd go as far to say. I, 12 years maybe like a decade like around the time since I graduated college has become a lot more accepted mainstream yeah I someone uh on the internet someone talking to me on twitter linked this specifically to 50 shades of gray I think it was like slowly starting to happen before then but I I do agree that 50 shades of gray accelerated the mainstreaming of fan fiction because as derided as that book was, and I have opinions about it, I have shared them elsewhere, <laughs> we won't get into it, but um, as derided as that book was, it became common knowledge after a certain point that it had been a fanfiction and that it had had the serial numbers shaved off mm -hmm. and been turned into a novel, and it got people who had never interacted with fanfiction before at least idly curious what fanfiction was. So I do think that was like a major milestone in the mainstreaming of fan fiction. But yeah, now you've got things like um, like Bob's Burgers, where <laughs> Tina is talking about writing her erotic friend fiction. They, of course, like can't do like licensed uh, properties in Bob's Burgers. They can't refer to licensed properties. So they had to get around that by having Tina write fan fiction of her friends from school. But <laughs> They didn't have to explain that, you know, like they yeah. put that joke in the show and everyone's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Fan fiction. You know, I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, if you look back through history, fan fiction has been around for ages, even beyond like the first fanzines that were published in the 1930s. Um, oh, for, yeah, for sure. I mean, the, the concept of fan fiction is new, but the 
practice of writing things based on things that already existed is literally as old as the concept of storytelling. Sir Galahad, every non-Conan Doyle Sherlock Holmes story you've ever read, you name it. And honestly, that's where we could get into copyright law discussion, but that's an entirely different topic for an entirely different day. Capitalism! <laughs> Pretty much, actually. Uh, but the, the mainstreamness of it... Um, has led to things like AO3 and more specifically the attorneys behind it um, who are um, anytime they try to do they do the fundraisers some of the things they're doing is they're standing up for uh, fair use law because a lot of the time that's what uh, fan fiction falls under is fair use law we're not making any money off of it we're basically just playing around in their sandbox but we are using the property, intellectual property of other people. So they could say no, like Anne Rice does with her stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. Famous, famous, famous anti-fanficer uh, Anne Rice. I've touched on this a little bit before, but the a, a very interesting aspect of this that is that it's just kind of considered in bad taste now for creators to be anti-fanfiction. Um, even if they might not personally be enthusiastic about it, my perception of the situation is that like their agents and the other people in their social groups are telling them like, no, you just kind of have to let it happen. This is just the world we live in now. So, Anne Rice was grandfathered in. <laughs> <laughs> well, I remember when um, fanfiction.net took her category down. There were like a thousand or so fix under the Anne Rice category, and one day she sent a letter, and it was gone the next day. Cause... Oh, I didn't, I didn't mm-hmm. know about that. I yep. knew that she was extremely anti-fanfiction. I didn't know that she actually got some yep. people in charge of some sites to take action on that. Yep. They, there was a note that says there will not be any more Anne Rice fanfiction posted uh, due to requests from attorney, for, uh, due to requests from uh, the author. Uh, and she, but yeah, but the thing is when they, when they send you one of those, you kind of have to respect it due to, you know, you sure. could get sued. Yeah. Um, in Lindsay Ellis's video on the, the, the ABO, Lawsuit. I loved that video so yeah. much. She uh she explains a little bit how well I think she actually has Legal Eagle explain it, but she mm-hmm. explains a little bit uh where the liability is uh between the the writer of the thing or the creator of the content and the platform that it's posted on. The and... platform doesn't actually have any liability because they are just the platform. Technically it would be the poster that has the liability. <laughs> Yeah, but in order to remain free of liability, the platform is obligated to, like, take something down if they are asked to take it down. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm talking in layman's terms here. Terms here. It's more complicated than that. The Millennium but Copyright the, Act needs to be updated. <laughs> yeah. The, the, the general, the vibe, if you will, and I am, again, not, not a copyright lawyer. This is strictly, like, layman's terms. The vibe is... Uh, Sites are not responsible for what is posted on them by users unless the site is told by the creator of the thing you need to take something down and they refuse to comply. If they refuse to comply with that, then they are liable for, you know, whatever copyright infringement claim the uh, the copyright holder may be making. Yeah. It's actually a very good video, uh, which explains a lot of questions about this and the follow-ups are just hilarious. 
Yeah, don't Google ABO. Don't don't, don't, don't do it. It's not worth it. Don't do it. it it's I'm not gonna, worth it. I'm going to do a bonus episode on it, but it's going to be a <laughs> Patreon exclusive because honestly, look, I this is no shade at all if you are into that. It I am totally like pro whatever kink you have pro whatever alien biology you have um as long as it whatever is happening is uh, you know consenting adults etc etc the lawsuit is just bonkers it is bonkers and and abo like if you're if you're into that like respect do you um but it is so extremely niche the specifics of this uh fetish genre of this genre are so incredibly specific and so incredibly unique to the fan fiction community and detailed yeah there there's there's a lot of like biological rules going on here and the funny thing is nobody ever explained uh, the other term for this is omegaverse abo slash omegaverse nobody ever explained this to me so i would see things things tagged oh and i mean how could they have you know i wasn't like I wasn't in a house with a bunch of other fan fiction readers, so uh, I would stumble across things tagged this way, and I would open them because everything else about like whatever they were tagged seemed like cool to me, and I would open them and be like, "What? Wh- what is this based on? Where did this come from? This like all of these extremely specific like biological things like have nothing to do with whatever fandom it is that I'm like reading about right now." So I had to just like figure out from context what that meant and like what the rules for that genre were very very bizarre very unique experience um like i said bonus episode it's too weird for the feed i'm gonna have to talk a lot about um dingle dongles i'm gonna have to talk a lot about sex stuff um so yeah, that'll be a that'll be a secret episode. <laughs> From the intellectual property perspective, the again the 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 the, the case is just bonkers. But that's why I yeah. said don't look it up because there's just so much technical stuff that goes into this case. Yeah. Uh, but it's it's interesting. Uh, but oh, the, it's we'll super get, interesting. That gets into another thing though. There's all this lingo that just goes into fan. It's basically it, it's not even basically it is. Fan fiction in the last decade has become its own like subculture. I mean, it always was but a more accepted subculture that if that you have different levels of like i was listening to your to one of the previous podcasts and you were uh, referencing limes and lemons which yeah, i yeah. swear to god t- <laughs> takes me back cuz that those terms are like not used anymore like it was just like citrus it's just like this yeah. thick is citrus yeah that's probably for the best because those categories were never well defined no with. no they were not yeah um the the internet will claim if you if you look up the, the citrus scale on like fan lore or whatever <laughs> fan lore will claim that like uh like lime means like teen rated fade to black type stuff mm-hmm. or like touching type stuff and then lemon means like sexual content like graphic sexual content now, Nobody stuck to those rules. No. Lime and lemon could mean anything. Everybody had a different interpretation of it. So they would just like put, this was, uh, you know, how you avoided getting your fan fiction taken down if you were using a site that specifically disallowed, uh, like, porn content. Yeah. 
Well, that's that, so, that, and also like the fact that well, I'm keep I'm married to a librarian, so we're we're very big on archiving systems, and mm -hmm. there just there really wasn't a good one. Like you have the um, the tag system on Ao3, which is really good, but if you look at the um, the tag system on Fanfiction.net, it's by character, language, rating. So you would use these to try to differentiate, but there's like you said, there's no standard it's just kind of cobbled together with like I don't, I don't know duct tape and spit i have a i have a question maybe you don't know this because i know you said you've only you only revisited fanfiction.net recently are you still technically not allowed to post x-rated fanfiction on fanfiction.net a couple of years ago fanfiction.net um said that you're not really supposed to post x-rated stuff but there is still a category for m and mm. if you are doing regular fan fiction search the m category is not selected in your search criteria you have to change it so that it is or change it to all uh so technically you're not supposed to again heavy quote marks yeah. but you can there are still some that are up there they tried to go through and take things out of there they missed stuff stuff got put back up some people said can i curse on this thing yeah oh yeah we, some do, we do all the all the cusses okay some people said fuck it and just moved everything over to ao3 and some people um there are some other archives that are out there they're they're very small or they found like a if you have say like buffy fanfics um or like a weird buffy crossover fanfics there's a specific website for that one now um but you it's probably just on AO3 the age of the super hyper specific website dedicated to this particular thing is unfortunately more or less at an end and if i'm wrong about this and uh, anyone who's listening to this please let me know because i'm very curious i would like to see them <sighs> Yeah, tweet tweet at me uh, at fanfic is good pod and tell me if you know of a super specific fanfiction posting website for a specific fandom because I also am under the impression that those have largely gone the way of the dinosaur, but uh, I could be wrong. Uh, there could be like just secret like covens of people out there just doing ultra specific fanfiction websites. Now, personally, I. I'm sure that there's a cultural aspect to having these ultra-specific websites out there, so I don't want to rob anybody of that, but personally I find it uh, very convenient that Archive of Our Own has really, like, aggregated so many uh, fanfictions, because I, I sometimes I read fanfiction for shows I have never fucking watched in my life, honestly. Every now and then I will see... Uh, like a gif of somebody real hot and I'm like I, I don't know who that is but um, I want to read about them uh, getting fucked by somebody so it's very convenient to be able to just I go think to we've all done that yeah yeah <laughs> so I have a question for you yeah. what is the most and you you just admitted you've done that so the most random fandom you've ever read from most random. Like like something that just kind of came out of the blue or something that somebody like might not read. Because I've got like a dozen of them, unfortunately. And I'm just curious because every time I bring up like the older stuff that I, I've read from, people look at me like I've grown a second head. <laughs> um, I did start reading Critical Role fanfiction before I ever started watching slash listening to Critical Role. 
Um, I saw the like fan art of that one tiefling. Y'all know the one. Mm-hmm. Y'all know the one. Yep. Uh, I saw fan art of Molly Mock, and I was like, hmm, I want to know more about that tiefling in the biblical sense. <laughs> and so I, I uh, defo looked up Critical Role fan fiction before I had ever started listening to Critical Role. That's the most recent instance I can think of. Um, I'm trying to think of, like, random, weird... Oh, I, um, I started reading like witcher fan fiction before i had really gotten into witcher media mm-hmm. uh unfortunately this is my personal take unfortunately there's not a lot of witcher fan fiction that really like suits my tastes mm-hmm. and i mean that in a lot of like different ways but uh i have read i have seen the witcher netflix show now and i have read uh three of the whatever five or six witcher books now so I know what the I know what the Witcher is, guys. I'm I'm on the level now. Yay! I still, I still only played a like maybe a few hours of the video game. Um, I'm just not a uh, a hardcore video game player, so I struggled to get into the Witcher video game. I've only uh, played the third one. <laughs> yeah, that's the one that um, my partner Andy got me as a gift, and um, I I like it. The problem is. Most of the things I do on a daily basis, I, like, quadruple multitask while I'm doing them. So I'll be, you know, listening to a podcast and also, uh, like, paying my bills online and also have a TV show on. And you know what I mean? And video games require your eyes and your brains and your hands. And it's just untenable. I cannot do... I cannot do eyes, brains, hands all focused on the same thing. I feel that on a deep spiritual level. (laughs) (laughs) So Dragon Age Inquisition uh, remains like the only video game that I have played from start to finish. And have I've actually, before I um, broke up with the guy who had the, the game itself, this was many years ago, before that I had started a second playthrough because I'm, deeply 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 passionate about dragon age inquisition i love this we we will discuss this later this is yes just yes (laughs) my husband dorian pavis whom i still (laughs) love even though that bitch left me to pursue a political career in tevinter what i know he still loves me i know he will never look at anyone else (laughs) call me on the sex crystal the phone sex crystal dorian i love you (laughs) oh man Yes, absolutely yes. Spoilers for Dragon Age Inquisition. It's a bit uh, late for that. (laughs) DLC Trespasser, I guess. I don't know. A little late for that. (laughs) Uh, The most random fandom that I've ever read for. um, Is that super random? I've read for like old TV shows like MacGyver, Hogan's Heroes, and MASH. But the most random one was when my friend sent me a wrestling fanfic to beta. Here's a weird thing that I discovered in the last couple of years. The uh, the crossover between like nerds who like uh, television shows and movies and video games and stuff and nerds who like pro wrestling is like there's a huge overlap. And I, I was shocked at first, but then the more I thought about it, the more I'm like, 
okay, I get it, actually. There's elaborate storylines. There's uh, larger-than-life characters. Men in tiny shorts. Yeah, yeah, men in tiny shorts. Buff men in tiny shorts. And also, like, it's just, like, the pro wrestling exists, like, the storylines of pro wrestling exist in, like, a parallel reality Mm -hmm. that is its own, like, world-building factory. So it, it did... I was confused at first, but I think I get it now. I think I understand why nerds are into pro wrestling. It, yeah, it, it absolutely is that. It's like it's totally the storytelling, and like if if it weren't in its own little thing, there's no reason for us to not just take this out into the the thing and beat you up after the show on Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So like. Did did that get you into reading wrestling fanfic, or was it just that it, one that you beta? No, like, it got oh, me. I guess I. It got me watching wrestling. <laughs> it got me watching wrestling, which is the reason it's so random. It's just like, hmm, who is this character? Now I have to check this out. Gateway drugs. They're really good for you. No, no, they're not. Um, I mean, like, pro wrestling can only be so bad for your brain, right? <laughs> uh, like, and I mean, watching it. I mean, I was about to say. Participate- Participating in pro wrestling is almost certainly very bad for your health, so maybe don't. But uh, watching pro wrestling, look, between this and like football, where people get terrible head injuries and end up with like terrible, debilitating long term injuries. CTE. The, yeah, the. Um, We've just circled back around to gladiatorial combat, and I think we need to stop pretending that we haven't. Like, we're just watching people destroy themselves for our entertainment. Sorry, that got really dark. Wear a helmet, kids. Yeah. So I got dark out of nowhere, but. I'm going to shift the conversation slightly (laughs) just to to get back to the the, the focus over here. But that was very important. You're right. Mm -hmm. Um, To uh, fan fiction and internal memes. Oh, yeah. Okay. Internal memes. Thing. This is a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and to do this, I'm going to use a an example because it's the only one that's coming to mind right now of Gundam Wing. Are oh. you familiar with Gundam Wing? Uh, no. But where my brain went was, huh, I wonder if the robots in Gundam Wing have a weird, uh, like, fanfiction genre the way the Transformers do. No, not not quite. It's not, okay. they, there are human characters. There there are human characters, and that's where the drama is. The robots are just robots. Okay. Did you? Okay. Although I'll, now I'll just, that you've said it, let me <laughs> let me take a weird tangent really quick because I'll probably have to like explain this further at some point. But I learned from an internet friend I had quite a while ago when I was back on Tumblr that the fanficosphere for uh, Transformers is like its own crazy separate thing independent of the Transformers canon universe because they they have kind of like ABO where it's its own like exclusive fan fiction genre of media but like the robots in Transformers have like 85 different genders or like Mm. something like that and they all have like different uh like concepts of like sexual function and it's it's really really complex i've heard the same thing 
Yeah, the Transformers fanficosphere is really, really complex, and it's like it's it's got its own separate lore. It's got its own separate like genre conventions, mm-hmm. and uh, I gotta I gotta get somebody on who's really deep in the Transformers fan fiction averse because I'm fascinated by it. I'm not like shitting on it at all. I think it's like incredibly fascinating and I wish I knew more but I was just never into Transformers I wasn't either but that, that's one of the things that I absolutely love about fan fiction is just you, you take thing X and then you you blow th- it, well, no, that's wrong you, you expand thing X to, shut up you expand thing X to like the universe that you want so you can't see Evan's face right now but he just had this like this shit eating grin on his face sorry um, <laughs> no I don't accept it uh <laughs> But it's, you're fine. But it's just, you can expand it uh, so much and build on so much. And because you started from this, like, this little bean of an idea. And it just, it grows and it grows and it grows until it's literally its own thing. Sometimes either A, better than the original, or B, completely self-contained from the original and you get something that's much better and what had have written than Fifty Shades of Grey, I hope to God. <laughs> I mean, yes, many of them are. Many, yes, are, most are, of them many, are. Many, many fan fictions that are better written than Fifty Shades of Grey. But um, yeah, see, see, um, oh, which episode was that that I got kind of deep into my feels about uh, Fifty Shades of Grey? That would be episode three. My, my take, my take is that... Um, E.L. James deserves that money. Good for her. Get get that money. There's many, many trash pieces of literature in the world. And she just wrote, you know, another trash piece of literature and cashed in on it. And I think It was popular. Yeah. I think the hate that she gets is really disproportionate for the fairly generic thing that she made. I don't like the book. That doesn't mean she doesn't deserve the money that she got from it. Popularity. Oh, sure. I, public market is public market. Public's going to choose what they want. Yeah. Um. I. I mean. I don't like the book either. Uh. I, <laughs> but um. I and I have read like uh segments of it. I've not read the whole thing. And uh, but I haven't only read the jokey bad segments either. So good for her for making money. Frankly, yeah. there's there's a ton of um bad romance genre books out there that are way worse and they don't get shit on nearly as bad so it could be the manga of star trek the next generation the manga of star trek the next generation please explain <sighs> the sentence that you just said. okay yeah I, I i should have expected to be able to okay so um there is an Amer- uh, a manga that was put out it's it's translated it's english i don't i think it was originally an english manga um, of several stories from the Enterprise, from Star Trek The Next Generation, and it's not good. Uh, it, it's silly, it's crazy. If I recall correctly, Wesley is in one story, and I think Worf is looking for a sandwich. Um, I, I, haven't, I have a copy around here in a box somewhere. Um, I don't remember where it went. Um, but I, I was using it in a cross-cultural uh, exchange panel like a million years ago, uh, regarding fan fiction and, and anime and other such things, uh, a long time ago. <laughs> um, but yeah, that that's a, that's a thing that exists. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm sorry I've distracted you. No, this is this is this the... is great. This is great. I love it. 
I just hope that I'm not being too distractible myself. Um, so fan fiction memes. Uh, I don't know if this happens as much now. Um, but back when I was first starting to write, one of the things that you would know, you would see, um, is that specific characters would kind of take on fan, uh, imposed behaviors of sorts, or they would inflate certain behaviors from the show and turn them into comedy. So for Gundam Wing, Gundam Wing, for those of you that don't know, is an early 90s translated anime, uh, translated, yeah. It's an anime that was on Toonami. Uh, it's one of the Gundam series. Uh, five guys, uh, five robots, and you Big can- Robot Sausage Fest. You can kind of see where it goes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, one of them has a really long braid. One of them is Chinese. One of them is supposed to be Arab. One, I don't even know what he's supposed to be, but he's got like one eye covered by his hair. And one is Japanese and has no emotions. So the one with no emotions in the fanfics would always walk around saying, I'm going to kill you to everyone. And they're just, they're, do you, have you ever noticed this? That the, the, the characters in these fics, the, they become yes. memes of themselves. Yeah, this was, um, I think, more common in, like, the early 2000s than mm. it is today. I think the, like, sort of character fidelity is a little bit better in modern fanfiction, and I think that has a little bit to do with probably streaming and, like, the availability of the shows and manga and what whatever online, because people can rewatch and, like, remind themselves, like, oh, yeah, that character didn't really talk like that, but... Yes, I absolutely know what you're talking about, where in fanfiction, uh, it was like an echo chamber of certain specific character behaviors, mm -hmm. and they would just become more and more and more exaggerated within the fan communities to the point where, like, the the characters were caricatures of themselves in the fanfiction. And sometimes in, like, crack fanfiction, it was supposed to be that way, like, it was supposed to be funny, but usually missed the mark <laughs> yeah very very frequently yeah i was never a big fan of the like crack genre of fan fiction if if you do not know what this is this just means like uh a sort of wild and crazy balls uh, to the wall everybody's on lsd yeah a very very like exaggerated i'm sure they were very fun to write uh very exaggerated character interaction usually very short usually extremely silly, usually attempting to be comedic, but uh, honestly not they always were, getting there. They were yeah. kind of based on the anime shorts with the chibified characters, where mm. they yeah, wouldn't sense. be... Um, it would be like a side... Uh, like, a, like a 30 second animated piece to the side story, usually right before the credits or right after the credits, where they just do something silly um, that would not have nothing to do with the main story. Um, and they were just meant kind of as like a sort of like a breather before you got to see what was happening next. Yeah, I think they were also like filler time for the animators also mm -hmm. because they yeah. were simpler, simpler to draw. And if you couldn't crank out uh whatever episode you needed to crank out on time you could just do uh like uh a five minute short with uh chibi characters doing <laughs> silly things and that was fine that was just a 
that was just an accepted part of anime culture. Um, but but, but the, yeah, yes. The, the whole thing about sorry, um, you go first. No, I was just saying I know exactly what you're talking about about the memeified personality traits in fan fiction that would just become more and more exaggerated because people would read, they would see the thing, they would see the original media, and then they would read more fan fiction than they had seen of the media and so these kind of touch point character traits that kept showing up again and again and again in fan fiction would just become more and more exaggerated over mm-hmm. time so this is another thing that went to the wayside as things became more accessible through the internet and became more mainstream so what i'm here what we've been discussing this whole thing is basically how mainstream fan fiction is a good thing <laughs> more or less uh yeah, I I mean, I would agree, first of all, because um, it's kind of shitty that writing fanfiction was ever marginalized in the first place. I shouldn't say marginalized. That makes it sound much more serious. Well, than I it got is, but... doxxed when I was 12 for writing. Yikes. Oh my god, I'm On sorry. On fanfiction.net, I was writing in middle school, and I remember somebody from the school posted in a comment my... Uh, my where I went to school, my name, my age, my address, and my parents had to step in because I was a minor, and they put it oh, down. No. But just to say, it was a kid being shitty, but there was this stigma back in mumbles, mumbles, mumbles year um, <laughs> that, you know, you didn't do this. If you were a nerd, you were you were a nerd. It was, things have changed. So, Yeah good it is good that it is good that things have changed it's, yeah it's good that people because like we were saying before this is not a new idea um it flies in the face of capitalism which uh you know i As guess well made it, it okay to to shit on for a while but uh it is inherent to human nature to hear stories and retell stories and reimagine the things that are meaningful to us mm-hmm. so and if your medium to do that is fan fiction, then by all means. Just... Don't dox people. Who are you? <laughs> people on the internet. Don't you have better shit to do? No. There's been, have... a pa- there's been a pandemic. <sighs> I guess. <laughs> Get a real hobby. Learn woodworking. <laughs> but anyway. Also, fanfic recommendations. Send those links around. <laughs> Yeah, this is, okay, this is a thing that sometimes I remember to do and sometimes I don't, but um, do you have any fanfic recommendations that you would like to make here on this podcast oh. that many people will consume? Oh, wow, I, I hadn't thought about that. Um, oh, give me a second. There, there is one, actually. Uh, yeah, I can, I can cut out any dead air, so don't, don't worry. Okay, right. cool. Don't yourself. Um... Generally, what I go for, I generally go for, like, pretty well-written ones. I like longer fanfics myself. Um, all right, I have the new, new, I just changed the username earlier in the pandemic. I almost typed in my old one. That was your muscle memory typing in. It was! It absolutely (laughs) was! I'm just like, wait, what's going on here? No. Let me see what I've got in my rec list, which is ironically on FFN. Um... Uh, that's the other one. These are going to be two really weird fanfics. I I, okay, I, I, ready. I apologize. Hit, hit me with it. My body All is right. ready. So I have two really, really strange recommendations. Okay. 
Uh, and they're, they're, they're pretty weird. They're not the ones that you might think that I would recommend. So a, a bunch of years ago, I was, I jumped back into a, um, a, a Power Rangers fanfic thing. And mm. I, I will read you the, um, the summary. Uh, it's called A Darker Shade of Green, and it's by, on fanfiction.net by Unromantic Poetess. Um, it's, uh, this is a more mature rewrite of the Evil Green Ranger saga. Uh, as the Green Ranger, Tommy's mission is to make the Ranger suffer. Can the Ranger save him? Will they even want to? Uh, it was originally published in Ju- on July 17th, 2009, uh, and was last updated January 27th, 2010. Um, I remember really, really enjoying it, but not having anybody to talk to about it at the time. Because nobody I knew was reading Power Rangers. <laughs> um, and uh, maybe maybe Power Rangers is cool again because of that movie reboot they did. I don't know. Maybe I don't know. But I, I remember like really liking the first one, and then it got a little bit weird as it went along. Um, it gets into some not like sexual adult themes, but I, w- I would stick with the first one because that one was really good. I haven't finished the latest one because I've just been putting it off because you know pandemic brain the second one um is a weird crossover that i found a long time ago um called the gotham knights of middle earth oh that um, is a weird crossover it's a very <laughs> strange crossover um it's was published in 2003 and updated in 2006 it's complete um by phoenix 83 ad um, and it is what you might think. Um, basically, uh, Tim Drake Robin, because he wasn't Red Robin yet, and Cassandra Kane Batgirl get thrown into Middle Earth and have to go with them to get rid of the One Ring. Uh, Red Robin was a, a bad name. I'm just going to say it. Uh, I agree uh, with Ro- you 100%. Red, Drake Red was Robin worse. Red Robin was a bad name. <laughs> so he went from Robin, which was fine, to Red Robin, to Drake, which just, no. And now they're making him Robin again, thankfully. Um, Robin's fine. Robin's fine, guys. We all know, like, we're fine with that. And this might be controversial, but nobody likes Damien. Oh, I see. I don't have strong opinions about DC characters. (laughs) I hope Andy's. I hope Andy's not listening because Andy has very strong opinions about Robin's. I love Andy, and I would love to talk to them about this at some point. So, yeah, whenever. Bring it. All right. We'll have a, a some kind of nerd fight. Bring <laughs> maybe, it. Maybe we, maybe we will episodify it. Dude, I'm in. <laughs> but yeah, those are my weird-ass recommendations. Oh, my God. Andy just poked their head into the room because they heard me talking about Robin's. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, go, talk. What's your opinions about Robbins? Dick Grayson is the best person to have been a Robin, but surpassed that position. Tim Drake is the best Robin, period, for what Bruce needs. Jason goes on the most interesting arc of, like, dealing with Bruce's legacy and handling of the Robin position. Stephanie Brown is the most underrated, and she counts. And, uh, Damien's fine. <laughs> Damien's fine. Uh, I, I just started reading the Grant Morrison run. 
and uh, I'm liking it so far. I have not finished the Grant Morrison run. I agree with everything you said, except I really don't like Damien. Um, but if he gets better than the little brat that he's been up until when I've reading, I would be willing to reconsider. Yeah, he definitely starts as a huge, huge brat. Uh, I, I like. There's, there's no getting around that. But out of what I've read uh, of Morrison's run, which is kind of the definitive Damien run, as far as I'm aware, uh, I've been, I've been enjoying it. Uh, and he plays well off of Dick, which is great. Dick needed a like kind of weird, edgy ramen. Robin, because <laughs> Dick is such a good soft boy. He is. He really is. Also, out of like all of like the DC characters, I honestly think that Dick is one of the most well-adjusted, which is saying something. Anyone who had that ass would be pretty well-adjusted, I think. I Balance mean, the, and the being adjusted are not the same thing. All right, I'm going to let you guys talk. Sorry for interrupting. This has been uh, a segment called Robin Talk. This has been this has been an Andy minute with with uh, featuring Dick Grayson and the other Robins. Miss um, you, Andy. Tim's the best. <laughs> uh, I miss you guys. <laughs> Andy, Andy's um, Robin senses went off. They totally like, did. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry about that. Sorry uh. about that, listeners. Uh, that was. I'm gonna have Andy on the podcast at some point. That's gonna be an easy peasy one for me because Andy lives in the house, but you can learn all about Andy's um, Kylux fan fiction reading habits and their, their opinions about uh, uh, all the various Robins in depth. Alright, were those your uh, were those your, your primary Ye- recommendations there? I, I'm going through the list. I'm like, I've got, let me see if there's any more. Because like, I'm like, I'm realizing that the back of this is like, I don't remember when I did the rest of these. Here it is. That's the other one I wanted to recommend. It's not done. So this is um the, my last recommendation. Um, it's it's another sort of weird one. It, how to describe this? It's not so much a go back in time fix it, but it it might be a go back in time fix it. It's called Old Man Luke. It's on Archive of Our Own uh, by Scarlet Jedi. It's still being updated. The last update was in January, the last day of January this year. Um, and basically, um, Luke and Leia from uh between i believe it's from last jedi go back in time to the clone war and the thing i'm enjoying the most about this is actually the the characterizations of the characters um specifically some of the details that the author has been writing about anakin uh when so one of the details that he puts in is that when they meet Luke, they don't exactly, he doesn't tell them who he is, but he gives the last name. So Anakin realizes that he must be related to his mom and they get back to the temple and they put, he grabs a bunch of foods that look like they came from the desert, but have high water content. And it's some kind of a Tatooine-ish, tatooine ritual that you give the older individual the first choice of the, the food with the highest water content and it's just, it's really nice to see the detail that they've put into this fanfic. Um, and I, I've been, like, eating up these these updates, like, the minute they come out. Um, 
So that that would be my last recommendation. That was the one I was looking for. Neat. So yeah, that that's what I got. Thank you for having me. Yeah, I think I do think we've reached a kind of natural conclusion. So <laughs> thank thank you so much for talking to me about fan fiction for an hour. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for like letting I- me ramble about it. I had a great time. <laughs> Fiction is Good Actually is part of Where They May Radio, a small family of podcasters just doing our best. You can keep up with Fan Fiction is Good Actually on Twitter at fanficisgoodpod, and you can reach Evan via email at fanficisgood at gmail.com. For bonus content, including bonus episodes, visit patreon.com slash wtmradio. Where They May Radio.